This is Debbie, and welcome to another brand new episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditch the norm to live their best life and become location independent. One of the trickiest things about being a freelancer is achieving financial stability for the long term. Unpredictable income and costs such as taxes can make it difficult to save. B-Solo helps you save by setting aside a percentage of your earnings and automatically pays your taxes each quarter. Through their self-service dashboard, you have the freedom to make deposits to and withdrawals out of your account, adjust your tax settings, and change your filing status. Try it for free for three months by going to bsolo.com slash offbeat. Again, that's the letter B, solo.com slash offbeat. This week, I speak with Nora Dunn, who is a freelance writer and professional hobo. Although Nora had a successful financial planning business, she decided to take the plunge and sold her company as well as all her personal belongings to travel the world. Since she has been on the road, Nora has lived and traveled to more than 50 countries around the world and has been able to sustain her lifestyle due to her location-independent writing career. Listen on to find out how Nora has been able to live a life on the road as a professional traveler and writer. joining us for this interview with Nora. Hey, Nora, how are you? I'm good, Debbie. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you lead an offbeat life? Well, I am otherwise known as the professional hobo. And I earned that moniker because in 2006, I sold everything I owned, uh, including a, a busy financial planning practice, to embrace my lifelong dreams of traveling the world immersively and long term. At the time, I didn't actually know how long I would be away or where I'd go, what I'd do, or how I'd earn money. But over the next 12 years, I continued to travel full-time uh, and carved out, uh, figured out how to make money while I was doing it, and carved out a niche on my website, uh, which is theprofessionalhobo.com, teaching people how to travel full-time in a financially sustainable way. Why did you decide to sell your company instead of just keeping it and maybe just traveling while someone else is running it for you? That's a great question. And in fact, when I marched into my uh, director's office uh, to announce that I was selling everything, including the business, uh, in order to travel, he said, he said, I knew something was up. You've been acting weird lately. And he said, he said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to get somebody to manage your business for you. And you go off and you do whatever it is that you need to do for like six months or whatever it is. And when you come back, uh, your, your, your practice, your business will be waiting for you. And it was an incredibly tempting offer, but one that I felt would limit my choices on the road once I hit the road. Uh, I would always feel the tie to come back to my hometown of Toronto, Canada. Not that it's a bad place or that I wouldn't want to come back. In fact, 12 years later, I am back. <laughs> but I really wanted to uh, have nothing holding me down or tying me back from embracing whatever I would find on the road. Let's just call it a gut intuition that uh, I, this was a life change that I was prepared to make and to make permanently. 
But that's a really brave thing to do because you don't know what's out there, and then you're just jumping into the unknown, and you don't know what you're going to to be going into. So after doing this for you said twelve years now, what is the one thing that you wish you knew before doing this, before traveling the world, and before becoming a hobo traveler, as they say? <laughs> Even the things that I didn't know, which includes everything, uh, I learned along the way, and that was uh, a cathartic part of my process. Uh, so it, it's that it's the kind of like, would you change anything if you could do it all over again? What would you do differently? Or or any of those questions, I tend to to regard and and say, you know, I don't know that I would do anything differently. Uh, perhaps it would have been good to know before I left that developing a, an online career concurrent to learning how to travel full-time and carving out my own travel style and way of being uh, would entail a, a horrific work-life balance battle <laughs> that continues to this day. Like work-life balance really has been one of the most difficult uh, things for me to manage in the last 12 years, but especially in the beginning when I was busy trying to develop a new career uh, as a writer as well as trying to figure out just how to travel and live on the road. How did you come from the financial side of business and then to becoming a writer? Was that just something you already wanted to do? Or was that something that you found that you were interested in after traveling for so long? I was lucky in that I had a lifelong penchant for the written word, and I was always a prolific writer in one way or another, uh, but usually in ways that were either uncompensated, like I wrote my own stories, or uh, bizarre in that, you know, like when I wrote correspondence to my clients, when I wrote out their financial plans, I would often be quite uh, verbose in them. That was my favorite part, was writing about them and to them. So I, I was lucky in that writing was something that I, I had always a talent for uh, and a, a desire to do. Uh, and it was shortly after hitting the road that I realized and a light bulb went off for me and I went, hey, wait a minute, with a laptop and an internet connection, I could make a living as a writer anywhere. <laughs> and this was in the days when 2006, uh, terms like digital nomad and location independent didn't exist. In fact, um, most people would be hard-pressed to define what a blog was. The idea of monetizing a blog was completely unheard of at that time. were entirely to uh, make a living as a freelance writer. Uh, however, as the years continued, of course, uh, and online writing and blogging became uh, an integral part of my business. For you to be in that time and space, because that's when really it started to grow little by little. And now it's a huge industry and people want to be freelancers and digital nomads and location independent. So you were from the beginning, you, you've been in there, Nora. <laughs> <laughs> I did it before it was a thing. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen any changes from 12 years ago to now of how people understand it more, or even just the atmosphere of what it's like? So the interesting thing about how that has evolved and changed over the years, uh, I mean, now, if you want to embrace this lifestyle, you can you can learn how to do it very effectively and quickly. Uh, I found myself having to invent, reinvent the wheel because no wheel existed when I was doing it. So if there was a mistake to be made, I made it. Uh, and I stumbled my way up a non-existent learning curve uh, as this industry was was getting started, really. 
Um, and the good news for me was, of course, it, it, I, I ended up being on the forefront of this, this, this wave. Uh, it certainly served me very well. These days, if you want to become a digital nomad, if you want to work location independently, there are more and more opportunities by the minute. There's a, I read a statistic recently that by 2020 or thereabouts, within the next few years, 40% of the North American workforce will have the ability to be location independent. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's going to take off and travel full time. Uh, but for some people, being location independent is enjoying the freedom to be able to work from home, spend more time with the kids, uh, you know, have work unconventional working hours. But one of the things that I do find is happening with the digital nomad movement is there is a certain maybe a lack of respect or consideration for what it actually takes to earn a living. Uh, and I, I say this in two different ways, one of which I'll, I'll um, as an example, uh, I, I have received many emails that go something like this. So I want to travel the world and I'm going on this trip and it's going to be like a six month trip and I'm going with my friends and, and, and we're going and you know, we're going to go to all these places and we want to start a travel blog so it can pay for our, our, our travels and we want to get free hotel stays and stuff. And we leave in two months. What do we do? <laughs> And when these people email me, I'm like, wow, do you really think it's that easy? Like, it's, I'm almost insulted. Well, however, I realize well, that Well, Nora, you make it look them. easy. That's <laughs> why. Well, I'll tell you what, it ain't. I'm a curmudgeonly old travel blogger who's going to tell you that I'm not here to sell the dream. It's a lot of hard work. Now, it's possible if you're willing to put in that work, if you're willing to treat it as a business and you're willing to do what it takes, but don't expect to be making a living overnight. It's going to take time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears. However, again, the perks of the lifestyle uh, can far outweigh uh, the effort expended as long as you understand that like any other business, it's a business and a monumental amount of self-discipline is required in order to make it. In my podcast, I emphasize a lot of things that are struggles for this lifestyle because people really don't understand what it takes sometimes. And then you become really surprised that you failed at it. <laughs> well, and I think it's really worth noting that being an entrepreneur, running your own business, whether it's as a freelancer or otherwise, is not for everybody. Uh, I have friends who are absolutely brilliant, like Mensa brilliant. And I've watched them fail in their business attempts because they just don't have the personality to do it. It's not for everybody. Uh, it's, it's worth a shot, but don't, you know, don't jump off a bridge if it doesn't work for you or if it, your working style doesn't work out. However, it also bears noting that if you are not the entrepreneurial type, uh, who again, possesses a <laughs> ridiculous amount of motivation and self-discipline, uh, you can still work on the road, uh, as a digital nomad. There are all kinds of companies that will hire remotely. You're the one that has to clock your hours. You know, there, you don't have a boss sitting over you and whipping, you know, cracking a whip, but uh, you do have that accountability to an employer if, uh, as well as the stability of a regu regular paycheck, if that's something you prefer. There's still a lot of ways for you to travel and work at the same time or be location independent, like you said. Just because you're location independent doesn't mean you have to travel all the time. It just means that you can work from home and that may be the best thing for you and not be an entrepreneur. 
the other thing to consider is in terms of uh, if what it is that you want to do is embrace a life of traveling and living around the world, uh, there are all kinds of jobs that you can get on the ground. Uh, as you go. Teaching English is, is, a, is a wildly popular way for people to travel and live around the world. Uh, people will take contracts and live in places like South Korea or Japan or generally Asia or South America are the places where these positions are available. And, uh, you know, they'll do a contract or two and, you know, six months, a year, however long, and they'll, they're, all their expenses are paid and they're able to save money. And then they can use that money to travel between contracts and do another contract. Same thing works for working on cruise ships. Uh, you can get working holiday visas. You can. There's a lot of different ways that you can get, you know, on the ground jobs, and still travel the world at will. Yeah, and you get best of both worlds. You get paid, and you get to travel, and then you get some time off as well to do whatever it is that you want to do when you have that time to yourself. Nora, you have traveled for a really long time, and you've worked on the road as well. What's been the biggest setback that you've encountered, and how do you usually handle them? I've experienced any number of setbacks, either you know professionally or personally along the way. Uh, I've I've encountered health issues. I was in a near fatal accident. I've survived two natural disasters um, I, and a series of romances with varying degrees of success. It's kind of like where where do I begin? And yet, what is a setback? I spent a couple of years apprenticing with a shaman in Peru, so I, I can get all existential uh, every <laughs> once in a while, so please forgive me. Uh, <laughs> travel as a, as a vocation is a, an exercise in rolling with the punches. It is an exercise in, in being flexible, adapting to your circumstances, whether your circumstances are simply a change of culture, language, climate, you know, environment or whether your these changes are have been thrust upon you <laughs> regardless of whether or not you'd like them to be <laughs> if there's anything that i've learned along the way it's that uh, uh, survival uh, requires flexibility positive attitude and adaptability yeah, there's a lot of that, definitely, especially when you're traveling all over the world. And you never know, everything is so unexpected and new and really exciting as well. It's scary, definitely a lot of fears, but also a lot of excitement. You are all over the place and you do so many things. How do you keep yourself productive and to stay in the really good momentum? An ever never-ending battle that is. Uh, <laughs> Work-life balance, productivity has been consistently been a challenge for me. Not because I lack any form of self-discipline, but because it is very difficult to to carve out uh, productive working spaces on the road. Uh, a lot of digital nomads are now turning to the ever increasing number of co-working spaces that are out there because it provides them with uh, a productive work environment. It's an ironic experience for me, having, having left the cubicle life uh, to, to watch people uh, who pay a lot of money to you know have little cubicles in co-working spaces, it, it boggles my mind. But yet at the same time, I totally understand it. There are uh, challenges when traveling and working uh, that uh, are, are very difficult to manage. For example, if you find yourself staying with somebody, and this has even occurred when I've returned to my hometown and stayed with my own family and friends, no one really understands the career nor the requirements thereof. So everybody thinks I'm prepared, no matter where I am or what I'm doing, everybody thinks I'm on holiday. If I'm in their town, I'm on holiday. Is that one of the biggest misconceptions that people have? 
Absolutely. That would be the biggest misconception because I'm not on holiday. I'll give you an example. I was house sitting in Switzerland and uh, it was a three month house sitting gig. And the neighbor after a week and a half, maybe two weeks, knocked on my door, asked me how I was doing uh, and asked me what I'd done in the area. And to which I replied, basically nothing. (laughs) And she was shocked and a little bit insulted that I hadn't, you know, taken upon myself to, to discover her backyard, you know, whatever, do what any tourist would do. I had to educate her a little bit about the fact that I have a full-time job. How many tourist activities do you do when you work full-time? Yeah, well, you don't do a lot, right? You get up, you go to work, you go home, you, you cook dinner, you relax a little bit and you go to bed. Let's stretch out the timelines a little bit. Uh, if I'm in someone's hometown for two weeks, I'm gonna get to do a few things, a very small kind of handful of activities that will give me a sense of that town versus had I been on vacation in that town and had nothing to do, I'd have painted it red and cracked the code of the country. Slow travel is definitely a a requirement. And anyone who's been on the road for very long will attest to this, whether or not they're working. If you're traveling too quickly, you just, you get dizzy after a while. And if you're traveling quickly while trying to maintain, even grow uh, a digital business, you're going to burn out. And fairly quickly into my own travels, I realized I'd traded one rat race for another when I found myself doing just that. It's so interesting that that's really what people think, right? Well, and in some ways, we kind of also show it on social media. It does show just the pretty parts. That's why I do love it when people tell the truth and they really show what it's really like. I'll spare you the rant, but I'm informally boycotting Instagram. for really flogging fabricated experiences almost i'm all for a pretty photo but it's a fickle game definitely you know take a critical eye to who you're reading looking at watching what you know i i hate to i don't want to say that everyone's got an alternative agenda you know and i don't want to be one of those people going you know beware of the person who sells courses on how to do this because it means they can't do it themselves (laughs) Um, because i'm designing a course so you know (laughs) But, you know, like I said earlier, I'm not here to sell a dream. And I am on my website, I am brutally honest uh, about uh, the disadvantages as well as the advantages of the lifestyle. And I I don't mince my words. I really love that about you, Nora, because I try to do the same as well with this podcast and even the articles that I write online is that we have to go beyond everything from what you just see in the surface and really know that the reason why certain people are successful is because of all the blood, sweat and tears that they've done. And a lot of people want to get to where Tony Robbins is, but they don't want to do the work that Tony Robbins did. You know what I mean? So (laughs) you bring up an interesting point. And I, I don't know, have we always been like this? Is this a function almost of technology of the instant gratification that we've been given with technology has created a sense of instant gratification or even the commonly used word entitlement in life these days I don't know yeah I have no idea either maybe it could be a little bit of both but it's really great when people actually tell you the truth (laughs) sometimes it really hurts you know and sometimes (laughs) you do it and then you fail but if you really want to do it you just keep going and if you really don't want to then you stop well and that also begs the question when is the time to give up 
at what stage of the, the game do you realize that something's either not for you or you're not prepared to put in the work acquired? I think that's a, is, the breaking point is different for everybody, but uh, I've also noticed that people are more willing to give up quickly. You know, there's not a lot of staying power for a lot of people. Uh, it, you know, again, it harkens back to my reader who thought that in two months she'd have a blog that could pay for her trip. And then when she realized that wouldn't happen, she gave up on the idea of ever having a blog. You know, so, well, when, if you think about this and you're willing to actually do the work required, it could pay for the next trip. And for a lot of people, I think that succeed, it's not just something for themselves. It's something bigger than themselves, like helping other people. And there's other motivations there and passions that they want to show and they want to give back. And I think that goes beyond anything, right? Because then it's also like your passion for it and then you have the talent for it. And it has all of these different factors and combinations. So it has to be more than just something that's for you. Bravo. I think you just, you, you just said it brilliantly. Uh, and that is it. That's the, the, the idea that you're, you're, you're doing something that's, that's bigger than you. I think anyone who's a visionary or an entrepreneur has that vision of doing something bigger. That probably is the, the, the X factor that delineates those who really succeed from those who don't. Because even after so many failures, you keep going because you have that vision and it just sometimes you can't go to sleep because you have it, you know, so you can't even make yourself stop even if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds like this is coming from a woman who's had a few sleepless nights. Absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. So Nora, how were you able to create income from the start of this career and how do you continue to do that today? So initially, uh, as I alluded to earlier, my efforts were towards freelance writing. Uh, so I, and then I, as, because I parlayed my expertise as a, as a former certified financial planner, uh, I found myself fairly organically getting gigs, writing for travel publications about finance and writing for finance publications about travel. Because the, the two topics, although they might not appear related at the outset, are entirely related because, of course, you need money to travel. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that it was a great way for me to basically carve out a, a niche that wasn't just making me a destination travel writer, which is a, even when I started was a saturated market. So I was able to really make a name for myself and get some, some good gigs that way and some good bylines. And then as the, the, the years went by, it became apparent that my website would be a vehicle to marry those two topics uh, and to teach people how to travel full-time in a financially sustainable way. Now, the monetization of all of this, uh, of course, is multifold. Uh, as with many digital nomads, I make income from a variety of sources. I have my freelance writing income. I have a, a, I still maintain a couple of monthly columns that I write regularly. One is for a publication called creditwalk.ca. So it's a finance publication. But again, I write about the travel aspect of it. Uh, and I've got a monthly Dear Nora column with them where basically I answer various reader questions. Uh, and then I'm also a Smart Money Squad member at Go Banking Rates, again, a finance publication. So you'll see the theme there. The people who are willing to pay are in the financial sector, not the travel sector. Uh, I see all kinds of travel publications saying, oh, come write for our, our, you know, our website or whatnot. And, and if you're not writing for National Geographic or one of the major magazines, you're going to make like <laughs> pennies 
for your efforts. So, um, you know, as a, a little piece of advice, if someone's looking at developing a freelance writing career, or if they're looking at traveling the world, see if you could write about something other than travel. You'll probably find it to be a lot more lucrative. And then the other ways that I make money are through my website, uh, through affiliate sales. It's a slow burner, but once you develop a, a series of affiliate uh, links through, uh, you know, any number of whatever it is. For me, I, I put affiliate links. Affiliate links, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, is uh, is I'll maybe I'll mention a product or service uh, on my website or in one of my articles, and you click on that link, and if you buy anything, either that product or anything else that that store offers within a certain amount of time. I will get paid a commission. It doesn't affect your cost, but it helps support me. Uh, and affiliate links are a very common way for a lot of bloggers to make money. Uh, and it's a, it's a very passive form of income because once the content is out there with the links, all you have to do is basically drive traffic to that content. Uh, and ideally, if the links are well-placed, shall I say, uh, you'll do well. And by well-placed, I mean uh, not only from an SEO perspective, but also, um, you know, how much do you stand by it? For me, I only put affiliate links to products that I have owned and thus endorse. So uh, it allows me to sleep well at night and help people learn through my own experience. Probably the, the other two ways that I make money are through advertising on my website, as uh, which are the, just the ads you see everywhere on the internet. It's a necessary evil, let's just put it that way. And then also through some of the products that I've created. I've written a few books uh, to date, uh, very practical guides like how to get free accommodation around the world and working on the road, the unconventional guide to full-time freedom. Uh, and I even wrote a little ditty about some of my epic and epically crazy train journeys that I've done around the world. <laughs> and make sure you all listen to the extended interview because Nora is going to be talking to us on how to get free accommodations around the world. So I'm really excited to talk to you about that, Nora. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Let's fast forward to 50 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? I have lived in my four decades on this planet thus far, I have lived a thousand lives. When I tell people that the sort of things I've done, even before I started traveling, when I just kind of list off some of the stuff I've done, people's eyes get bigger and bigger because I, I don't even believe I've done the stuff that I've done in my life. There's no reason why anyone else should believe it. It's kind of hard to say in 50 years what my defining legacy is going to be because it seems to be a moving target. Uh, certainly I could say that this chapter of my life that continues uh, of, of full-time travel and living an unconventional life, uh, or at least it was unconventional when I started living it, it's becoming more conventional by the day. But being something of a pioneer in, in a new industry and, and uh, in the life, lifestyle design movement really is something that I'm proud of, uh, learning to, to make travel a lifestyle and to inspire and empower other people to do so. Uh, is something that I'm very proud of. That is such a great legacy to leave. And you've already done a lot of that, especially from so many years of doing this and for so many people who have been inspired by you, Nora. So let's get to some fun questions. Some people like myself nerd out on interviewing, inspiring people like you and hiking. What about you, Nora? What do you nerd out on? I have moonlit as a professional actor, singer, dancer uh, over many years. Uh, so uh, I do love a good musical theater show. Speaking of moonlighting, what has been the most unusual job that you have ever had? And what was the best thing that you've learned from it? 
Well, hands down, I think probably having apprenticed with a shaman and co-assisted and co-held plant medicine ceremonies with ayahuasca and San Pedro is the most, is the, just the most mind-blowing job, if you can even call it that, that I've had. What I learned from it is, I, I mean, the, that work literally changed my life. Uh, the ability, and I, a lot of it, I think, boiled down to the willingness and the courage to look at our stuff. And to be willing to recognize the aspects of ourselves and our lives, our patterns and our behaviors that no longer serve us. And then uh, to do the real work of changing it. Is there any question that you wish people asked you more of? I immediately go to the question that I wish people would ask me less of, which is what is my favorite country? (laughs) (laughs) Ironically, I find myself asking that of other travelers. It's like I can't help myself. So I understand why people ask it. If you're listening to this and you you meet a traveler, don't ask them that question. Just don't. (laughs) Because it's like asking someone to choose among their children. And travel is an incredibly contextual animal that uh, has much more to do with what you're doing, who you're with and how you're feeling than where you are. Yeah. Wherever you are in that space in your life, then it affects you in a different way. What is the worst advice that you've ever received? So after about six years on the road, I don't remember what post I had published. Perhaps it was one that was, you know, maybe a bit uh, illustrative of a trying time that I'd had on the road. But uh, someone from my hometown who knew me, uh, an elderly gentleman, uh, left a comment on my uh, on my post and sent me an email as well. He was very adamant about this advice. And this advice was, Nora, you've been on the road for long enough. It's aged you. Time to come home and settle down and live an ordinary life. And I, I mean, I, I wrote an article, of course, to respond to this point, uh, you know, dissecting what is home, what is an ordinary life, and why does settle down have to be a part of anybody's uh, vocabulary. So probably the worst piece of advice I ever received was uh, time to come home, settle down, and live an ordinary life. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure I've ever been capable of, of any of those three criteria, even before I started traveling. The the advice was well intended, uh, but a bit misplaced. Yeah. And again, it's what people expect of you and not really not thinking about everyone individually and what everyone's needs are because we're all different and we don't live the same way. Otherwise, we would all be ordinary (laughs) and it would be really boring. Well, and, and ordinary is a very, again, a very contextual thing. It depends on, on your your society, your generation. This was an older an older man, so his filter was completely different with regards to what ordinary is. Uh, and, and I was living such an extraordinary uh, life, there was no ability to relate to what I was doing. There used to be a time when you could uh, go to school, get get a good education, uh, get a job, and that job would be for life. My generation, you know, basically we were the beginning of the end of that uh, because that was when, when I was entering the workforce, that was when people were starting to find that they were getting laid off and that whole employer-employee loyalty thing no longer existed. Contractors were being hired more and more because it gave, uh, you know, under the premise of giving giving employees freedom, but really it gave the employers freedom as well to not have to support someone and nurture someone through their careers and entire lives. So now it's more uncommon than common 
to have a career that you start in your 20s and finish in retirement. In fact, I believe by the time people reach 40, they've had up to eight career changes these days. Uh, so, but that wasn't this gentleman's filter, right? He was of the, mm-hmm. the old school of, no, no, you know, you go to school, you get a good job and, you know, you get married, you buy a house, you have 1.3 kids or 2.3 kids, whatever it was at the time. And that's that. Everybody has a filter and it's based on their upbringing, their geography, their climate, the economy, you know, it's so multifaceted. Travel has really taught me to be very open-minded, even when faced with what I feel is a closed-minded attitude. Because there's a reason why that person is saying what they're saying, and we don't have to agree, but uh, I've learned to respect that people have their, their reasons. As much as we are very different in our opinions and the, and the lens with, through which we see life, the other thing I've discovered is that 99% of the humanity uh, are fundamentally good people. Mm-hmm. And we all fundamentally want the same things. When you really boil it down to brass tacks, we all want the same things. So if we can remember that we share these commonalities, then perhaps it can uh, allow us to be a little more understanding of the differences therein. What are you working on currently that's really exciting to you? Well, I don't know if it's exciting, but it's <laughs> definitely time consuming. I'm currently I'm not redesigning my site because I did that last year, but I'm reworking my entire website. And what I'm doing is I am uh, eliminating the, I mean, I've got like a thousand posts on my site. So uh, for you to be able to find the content that's applicable to you is is almost impossible. So what I'm doing is I'm consolidating a lot of these old little posts that I had that aren't. Uh, that are very valuable, but are not getting the views. And I'm consolidating them into these giant guides. And it's a new category on my website called Travel Lifestyle Guides. And they're huge. Uh, The latest one was was how to start a travel blog. And it's epic. You know, the one before that was the creative guide to getting cheap or free accommodation. Uh, I have ones about how to file taxes as a digital nomad. Uh, What sort of documents do you need to carry with you when you travel? How do you travel with money? Uh, You know, ATMs, credit cards, visas, debit cards, all that sort of stuff. So um, definitely pop by my site if you want access to some seriously large and comprehensive guides that will help you get started with uh, travel as a lifestyle. And I'd also like to um, pursue uh, possibilities of uh, doing some further work in television. That's amazing. So many exciting things, Nora. (laughs) (laughs) Life is short. Let's do it. Absolutely. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? I can be found at theprofessionalhobo.com where you will learn all about me, probably more than you wanted to even know. Uh, and, uh, And anyone can contact me through the contact page there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nora, for joining us today. I really appreciate all the knowledge that you gave us. Well, thank you so much, Debbie. It's been a joy. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Nora. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Nora where she shares how to get free accommodations around the world. Offbeat family, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. 
suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.